Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating happy, healthy, beautiful homes that prepare us to fly. I love it. Elizabeth. It is so nice to hear your voice, Marjorie. It's the joy of my week. It makes me so happy. And uh, we've been getting some really happy, positive feedback about this podcast. So if you've reached out and said that you're enjoying it, boy, does it make our day. Thank you. It sure does. And, you know, something else that is making my day is social media. So I have to say, I'm going to do a little confession here. Twitter, what, started in 2009? Yeah. yeah. I actually remember talking about it when it launched. I do, too. We talked about it on Twin Cities Live when Twitter launched, and it was like, what is this? And this is going to be the biggest thing ever. And I wasn't so sure of that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, this will never last. And But I, I'm not naturally inclined towards social media. I have maybe like 50 tweets. I mean, I just don't do a lot on Twitter. But what I have done since we've started Best of the Nest is I've been paying a lot of attention to Instagram. I know. And Instagram is a happy place. This is my happy social media place. Tell me why you love it. I love Instagram because I feel like I love the photos. I love just the little bits of people's lives. I find it to be very inspiring. I love to look at what people are cooking. I like to look at how they're decorating their homes. I like to see their children. And I feel like it's a much more positive place than Facebook. So yeah, Facebook, I, I kind of am participating in reluctantly. I think you're with a lot of people, yeah. a reluctant Facebookers Because now. I found that it was, it got really negative, you know, and as a public person, you know, quote unquote public person. Yeah. And this, I think it's just, <laughs> you know, it sounds silly to say that, but it sort of feels like this just becomes a greater example of what people are experiencing on a smaller scale yeah. everywhere oh, too. that's interesting. Yeah, I agree. Which is that it just, Facebook uh, became very negative to me and it it felt like a place where people who were just crabby would just go to be more crabby. And yeah. I'm not really interested in that. That being said, social media is a big part of my job. It is a part of what I do for a living. And then it's also something uh, that I do enjoy, particularly Instagram. I love it. That And I think there are constantly boundaries that need to be drawn with it. And this brings us, I think, back to best to the nest is this becomes, you know, we can talk about how it how it makes us feel, what its use is to us professionally, because I think we're not alone in that. We're not alone in that if you there are so many businesses now that you have to have a digital footprint. Totally. You have to in order to survive. I do a lot of work here with restaurants. Yep. You know, if you're a restaurant, you better have a good social media presence. You better be telling people what's going on in your restaurant because that's how you're going to grow yeah because the people that are going to be coming to your restaurant they all have digital footprints mm -hmm. and they're telling their friends about the great food that they're eating yeah so it's not just media it's everybody now we decide Which on restaurants in our house based on instagram a ton like my husband yeah. will scroll through he follows restaurants all the time and then he'll send me and go we're going to get that burger at that place you mm -hmm. know that's like that's how we make our date nights <laughs> and you yeah and you are not alone which makes perfect sense it just makes perfect sense that that's the way we're living 
now. So if we look at that, then we have to really say that's the way our families are living now, which brings us to children, Mm. children and social media and what their and it's so odd to even talk about it this way, but what their role is in their own digital footprint. I love that we're talking about this today, Marjorie, because this is one piece of advice that you gave me when we did our radio show together, which was the the beginning birth of Best to the Nest. Right. That I did not follow. (laughs) (laughs) One of the pieces of advice that you gave me when we did our radio show together, Mm -hmm. which caused this podcast to happen, which was bring your best self home. Try to have this mantra of, of making sure that your best self is what your family gets, what your home gets, and then everybody else gets the leftovers and leftovers still being pretty good, pretty doggone good. I love right. leftovers. They're <laughs> fabulous. I eat left. I'm eating leftovers for lunch today. It's wonderful. Right. Leftovers still being fabulous. Not the other way around, though, that right. everybody else on the outside gets the best of you. And then on the inside, it gets the kind of whatever is left. Mm-hmm. The other piece of advice that you gave me when I was pregnant with my daughter, Bernadette, who is now four. Bernie. You said, don't show her on TV and don't Mm -hmm. make her public. Because for the entire time that you and Ian co-hosted your radio show together, what did you do with your boys? We were very private with them. And, and you didn't so, even say their names, Marjorie. No, we never said their names. The whole time we were on the air together for 10 years and we called them Itchy and Scratchy. Yes. And so, when and it was would... also confusing because Itchy was the younger one and Scratchy was the older one. <laughs> so then you were constantly trying to figure out what was going who's on. Who's Itchy? Who's Scratchy? Everybody who's listening to this, who listened to my talk 1071, when they, we've gotten multiple comments, Marjorie, from people who used to listen to you and Ian and then have listened to our podcast and heard you refer to your boys by their name. Gar yes. and Campbell, and they've said, "Whoa!" I like got startled because <laughs> I just didn't know what to do. Like, wait, they she made a mistake. She shouldn't have said that. But now yeah. they're in their their mid to late twenties, and so it's okay. And we have their permission. They're adults. And I actually, before we started the podcast, I said, "I am perfectly happy through this whole podcast to call you itchy and scratchy." Yes. Or would you prefer I use your real names? And they're like, "It's fine." Well, you can use our names. And the other thing that we did, and so for people that listen to the show, it was funny because they actually, they did our intro to our show. Yep. I'm itchy. I'm scratchy. <laughs> and then they would introduce their parents on the radio. But we were very protective of, of their stories. Yeah. If we were ever going to tell a story about, you know, something funny that happened at home, we'd get their approval first. So every story that went out on the air, I would say 90% of the time had pre-approval. So there was nothing, you know, I wasn't, there were no stories that I surreptitiously told about, you know, something funny that happened to them. Because quite frankly, their teachers listened, you know, Mm -hmm. and a lot of, um, a lot of their friends' parents listened. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, that wasn't, their life was not my life. Yeah. And I didn't have a right, I felt like I didn't have a right to share it. Now, that having been said, too, that was a negotiation between my husband and I. Mm -hmm. He's super, super public. He was fine with, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so we found, we found common ground. And I'm not saying to this day that it was right or good. Well, I think it was, it was right and good for us. For sure. I will say that. And right and good for the time period that you were doing the show in. Right. And the medium that you were using. I mean, you guys were on the radio. So it's, so for me, I remember thinking like, there's no way I'm going to be able to not show people a picture of Bernie when she's born. When you do a television show. There's no way. I mean, I just can't do that. And all, and some of it is just like, I felt 
felt, oh, well, number one, I felt very proud of her and I feel very yeah. proud of her. And so yeah. I feel like I, that's an important thing that I want to share. But then also number two, I felt, a, I feel a relationship with the people who watch the show. Yep. And I felt like they had been with me through this whole, whole journey yep. and they want to, they wanted to see her and they wanted to like, be part of my joy, right. which they had been through the whole thing. And so I felt that it was important to show her that being said, boy, I have a lot of, I have a lot of boundaries. And as my kids have gotten older, I remember being at Costco a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, and we were in the frozen food section, you know, picking up wild blueberries and such as one does at the old Costco. There you go. And my kids. 35 pounds of blueberries. I know. My kids were in the cart because it's a double cart. And my husband was kind of walking and I was standing and she said, um, and there was a woman there who said, hi, Franklin, to my yeah. son. And she was a, a lovely woman. I mean, perfectly I she, sweet. Oh my gosh, darling. She was, she's just minding her own business in the aisle too, but notices us and says hello and says, hi, Franklin. And Bernie said, mama, how does that lady know Buddy Boy's name? Yeah. And I was like, okay, here we go. Here we go. And in some ways to me, that's a very familiar feeling because I grew up the child of a Lutheran minister. So oh my goodness. It's the same. It's my life. I mean, it's I, same. it's exactly the same. I grew up the child of a Lutheran minister. My dad was the pastor of a church in Lakeville, Minnesota when I was a kid up until yeah. I was about uh, 14 or 15. And at the biggest, I think we had 1500 members of the church. So it's a pretty sizable amount of people, certainly yeah. not enough for me to know everybody. And, but everybody would know everybody you. knew us. And so yeah. we would sit in church and my dad would tell stories about us. And my parents were both pastors kids. So there was no thought of like, are wow. we going to ask permission? This is just like a given. Well, you're, it's, it's the family business. It's the family business and you're part of it and that's how it goes. And we all support each other and that's yeah. it. Um, and I remember when my dad would tell stories about us, everybody in the congregation would turn and look at us. Oh, wow. And like smile. Oh, wow. And for me, that uh, wasn't really an uncomfortable thing Yeah, um, because my parents had very clear boundaries. And so that's how I am trying to manage yeah. social media and exposure of my children in public uh, with really clear boundaries. And number one was that we did not have to live up to anybody's expectations other than my parents. And that oh, that's was it, good. that we were that's not good. there to please anybody in that church, that nobody needed to think of us as perfect, that there was no expectation of us behaving a certain way in order to please anybody other than our parents. So what the expectations were in our family, that was it. And that extended to us being out in any sort of public place, but it didn't mean that we had to try to be perfect. Well, which is part of the problems for what, you know, sort of in the industry is known as PKs. Oh, for sure. PKs. We, we're scarred humans. Yeah, well, PKs, you know, the, the, the joke of a PK is that they do everything to rebel against what their parents have been preaching. You're very extreme. The joke yeah. of the PK is that you're either going to be super perfect and obsessed with perfectionism and what everybody right. else thinks. Which is not healthy. Or you are going to lose your mind and you're smoking in the bathroom any chance you get. <laughs> Which is not healthy. Which is also not healthy. So the fact that your parents negotiated that well is to their credit. I think in some ways family restaurant tours are the same For way sure. where everybody's working in, you know, everybody's working in the restaurant business. So there are lots of businesses like this. But we're in a new day and age with social media and how do we how do we handle our kids within that whether you're in one of those professions or not and what sort of started me thinking about this was a couple of weeks ago you know I'm scrolling through I think I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw North Northwest. Kim Kardashian's 
daughter. Boy, isn't she cute. Yeah, she's adorable. She's five. Of course, she's lived her whole life on Keeping Up with Kardashians. And to what you said, you know, for people who watch Keeping Up with Kardashians, they went through Kim's pregnancy. They went through all these things. They feel like it's one big TV family. Yeah. The Kardashians, that's how they make their living is it's you get to see into my family. So, of course, North is seen on the show. I don't watch the show. I mean, I know of it and I've seen bits of it. I haven't watched it in years. Yeah, me neither. But, of course, North's going to be a part of the show. So, isn't it a natural thing that, of course, North at age five would be the cover girl on Women's Wear Daily? I know. Okay, again, there have always been child models. So, that having been said, here's North. Her mom's, you know, this is her mom's doing, putting her on the cover. And there was a ton of pushback. Mm -hmm. There was just a ton of pushback about people judging North's looks. I read one comment where where the comment said, you know, she's got her father's looks and her mother's talent. Jeez. Yeah. So it got it got pretty ugly. Well, you say that about a five-year-old. Part of the problem is, too, is the copy that Women's Wear Daily wrote about North. And I want to read this to you because I think you'll find this fascinating. This is what they wrote about her. This is going to blow your mind because this is Bernie and Franklin's generation. Mm. Get ready for another youth quake. By 2025, people under the age of 18 will comprise 22% of the United States population. And they were talking about how the implications for fashion are pretty big. It said, at five years old, Northwest, the famous daughter of Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, has captivated the digital realm with her cross-generational appeal. Without a public Instagram or YouTube channel of her own, she's too young to fully understand what a digital footprint is, yet... Hers is wildly popular. We've watched Northwest grow up on Instagram and keeping up with the Kardashians, and here she poses on the cover. It goes on to say, whether she knows it or not, she's at the forefront of a generation that is highly connected, engaged with fashion and beauty, and individualistic in style. It's called, Elizabeth, the Alpha Generation. Oh, goodness. Signifying a new beginning, the age group is unlike any the world has ever seen. Alpha's oldest members, so they've got their own generational name, is just six years old. And they're talking about the consumer power of the six-year-old. <laughs> it is true, but, though. But, but that's been true for every generation, right? I mean, every there are children that want things. But here's the difference. This generation is growing up connected. Yeah. And I think that, again, brings us back to how do we handle our kids? Because there was all this pushback to Kim Kardashian about the fact that they expose their children on social media. So the op-ed piece that I read in a magazine called Grazia was, who are we to judge? I know. Who are we to judge? And I think that's the interesting thing when you scroll, scroll through Instagram. I'm always sort of fascinated by the parents who put embarrassing stories or pictures on Instagram. I feel the same way. And that's where I really draw a boundary. My husband is way more private than me about um about our kids on social media he really he posts more rarely just in general and then particularly about things with our kids he doesn't like when i post pictures that show that our baseboards aren't perfectly painted and finished (laughs) after getting our floors redone see that's his big thing he said to me the other day i wish you would not post these video this video of gracie our dog because you can see that the baseboards aren't done and i was like jay criminy pete I mean, honest to God. Would you tell Jay that I saw that picture and did not notice the baseboards? Thank you. This is what I said. Nobody notices the baseboards. That's exactly what I said. I noticed the beautiful dog. She was playing a game and she was happy. I think, you know, the thing with me with um, that I've really grown into in terms of stories about my kids on television, on radio, and then on social media is that I try where I come from is from a lens of how can other people relate to this story as a parent? Not 
what does this say about my child? And so the story, my focus is always on me. And I don't mean that in a narcissistic no, way. No, no, no. I mean that in a, it's not about what they did or having someone pass judgment on what they did. It's about how did I handle the situation or what's this universal mothering experience that I want to connect with people about. Right. And so that's the motivation for sharing the story. Embarrassing photos or fo- photos of them not looking their best or whatever crosses the line for me. I And right. even like stories about their, this sounds gross, but like their poop no. and their pee habits. Like, Yeah, this is, this is again, this is what people I People overshare. Find- I mean, and I'm an overshare. I share a lot. I'm happy to share, but I'm happy to share stuff about me. I don't have any problem like putting it out there, what my flaws are, what the things I'm working on are, what, what my insecurities are. But it, when it comes to my children, I'm not putting that out there. Right. And I think, you know, I look back and in so many ways, I'm I'm grateful that Facebook was around sort of when I was, when my kids were in middle school. So that's sort of when that started from yeah. middle school and into high school. And then it was only college. I mean, it was only kids in college that could get it. That's when I, I mean. When you started. Well, there was a point on Facebook where you had to have a .edu address, right. email address to even be able to get on it. Right. But by the time they were sort of in middle school, you could. Because okay. I remember Campbell was probably 13 or 14, and we had had a discussion. Was it Facebook? I'm trying to remember what it was. But it was something on social media where I had to sit down with him and say, he was just having a discussion, but it was a public discussion. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting down and saying, understand that when you do this, it's forever there. Forever. And I think that's something that in terms of boundaries that, that I was setting, and, and I had to set very few for them because th- th- these things just didn't exist in a way that they exist now. Yeah. And when you think about Twitter starting in 2009, it's just starting. Mm-hmm. And really, I think it's been in the last, would you say like five or six years that it's it's as active as it is yeah. or, or longer than that? No, I would probably say. I mean, I think when it started, it got pretty... It got big fast, but now it's just so, well, of course you're on Twitter or I mean, even like as far as news coverage, quoting Twitter. I mean, that's how, like, look at our news coverage today. That's how the majority of President Trump's information gets out to people. <laughs> okay. It's Twitter. We, we can't go there. We're not going to go there. But I'm just, yeah. I mean, that shows, like, the relevancy the of and, it. Yeah. yeah. And the power of it. And I think that's the interesting thing for parents. And, you know, anybody who's listening to the podcast is certainly free to chime in and to reach out to us because I'm so curious about how, now that we're sort of in the thick of it, for people who, like you, your kids are little, how are you going to negotiate those boundaries even for them? I, I mean, you're negotiating the boundaries of your social media relationship and how to include them. Yeah. What I think everybody has to think about as the kids are getting older is how do you negotiate what digital footprint they get to establish for themselves? Because again, it's important if you think about, okay, you might let your, your kid have a Twitter account. Great. Well, you may have, your child might have a hundred followers, you know, all their friends at school, mm-hmm. but now they have a digital footprint. When they're 35, yeah. that's still going to exist. The things that they were saying when they were 12 or 13. I know that's the thing, like, uh, you know, the notes that I wrote to my friends where I sounded like just a disaster. Right. I I mean, those are gone. Those were burned in a bonfire somewhere, I'm sure. I mean, that, that kind of stuff. I mean, the com- the notes that you have with your friends will exist forever now. It is, you know, it's a fascinating thing to think about because negotiating boundaries with your kids also extends to negotiating boundaries with yourself. I mean, and when we talk about bringing your best to near, to your nest, you know, there was a time when I could be at home. Now I could still do this if I'm not looking at my social media, but where I didn't have access, I didn't have access to my email at home. I didn't have access, you right. know, people weren't able to infiltrate me in my home. With 
with their reaction or opinions about me. Right. And now it's totally different. And, you know, there were... You're living with it. You're well, literally and I've, living I with it. I remember having to work through things where I... um. I, and this is so, my husband Jay gets all up in arms about it because, you know, I would be like looking at Facebook. I took Facebook off my phone for a very long time. Right. And, and I really don't scroll Facebook at home anymore, but there was, it, because it's just not a super positive experience for me. So I was looking at Facebook and I would see some comment from somebody about me on like right. the Twin Cities Live Facebook page or on my Facebook page. And it would and be something of house. like, Elizabeth is annoying and you're, you act this way and you, and you're too fat. I mean, honestly, this, and I, I know that sounds harsh. <sighs> That I am only saying this because that is the reality of what people say. So I would get that and I would feel like a crush in my sternum. Yeah. Like I could feel the pressure starting to hit my chest and I would be like, oh man, people are the worst. And then Jay would go, well, what happened? And I would say, look at this. And he was like, I can't believe, why are you even looking at this? And how are these people allowed to even get to you? Right. How are you looking at this? Why are you looking at this? This He's should right. not be part of our home. This should not be part of our life. And you shouldn't have to spend your time at home having to react to how people are talking about you. I love Jay. He, I mean, he was, he was hard knock Jay. He was like serious yeah. guy. I mean, and he would get, he would get upset about it because, and I understand, and I, now I look back at that and think, what a wonderful thing that he was upset about that because he was not only protective of me, but he was protective of our nest yeah, and yeah. of That's our exactly home space right. and saying, I don't want this in our house and yeah. you can't bring this stuff in our house. And so, um, so I've set up a lot of boundaries for that. I mean, I don't check. There are certain email inboxes and mail things that I don't check. We have somebody at work that checks them for me, which is great. And and that happened because Tracy, our office manager would see if I got a mean letter one day, she was like, this is done. You're not reading this stuff anymore. Um, she's like, I want to pre-read all of your mail. And I'm going to take your mail and I'm going to pre-read it and then I'll put it on your desk if it's something that you, that I it's think worthy. you need to see. Yeah. And it's been a total shift. And that, you know, I think what happens is you can see if you have really great people in your life, in your workplace, in your friendships, you can see people. And this was your intention for me when you gave me that advice of don't put the kids out there. Right. Was the people around you should love you so much that they want to help you set up boundaries to make sure that your nest is happy and healthy. It's interesting what you go through as a as somebody who's very public, because I think your experience in a very interesting way probably mirrors what everybody's well in this way, a middle school experience (laughs) for kids that are going to have bullies. Oh man. And you know, the one place I never want to go back to is middle middle school. school. I hated middle school more than anything. (laughs) Talking about middle school makes me like breathe more shallow. I'm sorry. Because I just like was so uncomfortable with myself. It was my, was my least confident time in life. And I hate that. Right. But but, don't, but don't, can't you see the parallel yeah. of people coming into your house without the best of intentions? Yes. Yeah. And so if you have a child that's on some sort of social media, all of those people who want to bully or who want to be mean or who want to knock you off mm-hmm. just a little bit. That's my memory of middle school yeah. is it was just that feeling of, oh, my God, everything's so fragile, like <laughs> so, so fragile, so fragile. And I feel like. That, again, is I feel for parents right now who have kids, who you're trying to negotiate, who gets to have access to your kids if they have those accounts? Who gets to have access? Who gets to say to your kid, I hated what you were wearing at school today? Oh, geez. Who gets to say that to me? They say it. It's 
terrible. And if adults are doing it, kids are doing it. Yeah. And that's why I say like your experience, because I think for a lot of people, their their Instagram accounts or their Twitter accounts, their followers are people that naturally love them. Mm -hmm. And so for most adults, I think that's how it works. Unless you're a public figure and you're going to sort of you're going to get those people who want who want to sort of take you down a little bit. And that's why I think I parallel it to middle school is if you have all these, you know, if all these kids at school are following you and I'm speaking not from experience, I'm just wondering what is that like for kids and how do you protect them? Well, and for you, I think it's really interesting because I remember you when we were on the radio together talking about, I mean, people made a lot of judgments about what they thought your marriage to Ian was like. I mean, all the time, based on your radio conversations, it would be like, well, this is their marriage. Now, you're adults and you made a choice to put it out there and be married people. So, And you know that. I know that. Nobody's saying that you're like, oh, whoa woe is me. Nope, and nope. I'm not in ever in a poor me situation either. Nope. That being said, it still isn't easy to navigate it's having very... people pass judgment on your marriage when you're on a show together. It was very, it was very weird because I, I think, and, and again, it goes back to, we chose it. Yeah. So we knew, and, and my husband and I had different ways of dealing with it because more often than not, a lot of times they would be very critical of him because he's a big teaser. Yeah. And so he would tease me a lot on the air. And so people and I, I'm okay with myself. I can be teased. I think it's funny. Remember when he took audio of you snoring and then played it on the air? (laughs) It still makes me laugh. (laughs) I I sounded like a cow. You sounded like a cow. And he was like, legitimately, this is your snore and then played it. I about I, died. I don't even know if I was part of the show that, that that day or I was just home listening and I like fell off my chair. I'm not 100% sure that was still me. He says it's me. <laughs> he says it was me, but I'm not 100% sure. But this, this goes back to the idea of we chose that life. We chose to make those things public. We chose to laugh about it and we chose to take the criticism and that came with it. And I'm fine with that. So then I have, it, this goes back again to the discussion we're having about putting your kids forward on social media and how much do you share of your kids? This is true for all of us now, not just if you're in the public eye. It's true for everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, Elizabeth, this is going to freak you out when oh. I read this to you. Okay. Okay. So this is from, this again is all stems from Kim Kardashian's daughter, North, being on the cover of Women's Wear Daily. Child psychologist Dr. Nicole Gell says many parents are too intent on gaining followers to consider if images are inappropriate. So we've already talked about that boundary within within your life. And within most people's life. But the doctor goes on to say, people get sucked into this Instagramming machine and they think it's all about themselves, she says. It's clinically proven our brains receive a dopamine hit from every like, like a chemical high. Yeah. And people are so desperate for these that they don't think about their children. People argue everyone puts pictures of their kids online now, so why not join in? But it doesn't matter if everyone's doing it. It's still irresponsible and disrespectful to expose kids to the Internet and all the self-esteem issues and abuse that come with it. The doctor also warns that however much an Insta-mom, Insta-mom, that's a new word to me. That feels bad. Mate. <laughs> that doesn't feel good. I got that same feeling that I got from the middle school talk. <laughs> That's true. 
I feel bad. I feel bad right now. <laughs> they claim her children love modeling. So they're talking about Kim Kardashian. They can't give meaningful consent. There's no proper legislation surrounding kids on social media, she says. It's a generation of kids are guinea pigs. And in the years to come, they may decide to sue for earnings mm-hmm. that they think should be. So this goes more on to, to their to, to the Kardashian situation. But it said in France, parents have already been warned that they face potential fines or up to a year in prison if they share intimate details of their children online without their consent. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, I think these are the issues that are coming in bigger, small ways for everyone. Yeah. I think it's something you're negotiating. And quite frankly, I think you do it really well. I think you're negotiating with your own children. But isn't it interesting that at the story that you told at the top of the podcast, that Bernie, how old is she? She's four. She's four. Mm-hmm. Had a sense of something's odd here. Yeah. When someone came up and used Franklin's name. How do they know Buddy Boy's name? That yeah. was a real kick in the pants moment. I, but but, but it, it shows intuitively she gets something already. Yeah, she definitely gets it. I mean, she knows Mama's on TV and and that being said. And that's, you know, and I knew that too as a kid when I was running around a church that my dad was the pastor of. Right. I intuitively understood that people interacted with him in a different way that they interacted with other people. Right. I got that from them. I would see, oh, Pastor Reese, they would say, in a way that was different than how they would interact with other people. Right. So I think from a very young age, I sort of understood that idea of like being part of something, but still being a little bit other and it's um, the other part it's just the other part that not only i think for a tv i interrupted you sorry go no, ahead you, you were saying no. but i think it's that other part that i think parents you in a very clear way have to define that yeah what's what is what is bernie's other what is franklin's other who do they get to be unto themselves but i think that's something that everybody has to negotiate now i everybody will tell does. you the one thing that i one piece of advice that i will give to you and to anybody who is putting anything out there about their parenting or themselves out in public. If anybody makes any negative comment about my parenting or really about me as a person, if it's if it's a comment about like, oh, Elizabeth, could you say this instead of this because, you know, or whatever, that's, I feel great about that. But me as a person, my family, my children, my parenting, I delete the comment and block you that second. That's because right. I have a clear understanding that it's out there forever. And so at some point, my child, my children might want to look back and see, oh, what did, what did mama post? What are all right. the things that are out there? Right. And I will not allow them to see anything that is negative that's on my type of platform. I mean, there are negative things about me other places, but I'm not going to have it on my platform that they were exposed to that. And then I also just think it's a one strike and you're out policy. I want you to be part of my Instagram community and I want to interact with you. I love it. It's so fun. It is really fun. And I've learned so many things and I feel like I make like Instagram friends that I meet them in real life and we have hugs and it's fabulous, but it's a one strike and you're out. If If it's a comment about like, oh, this kind of parenting, it's I'm done because I just, I've got enough. And that's where I draw, that's where I draw my boundary. I mean, you just have to set those boundaries of what's going to come into your home and what is going to impact you there. And, um, and I think that's really important. Boy, we could talk about this all day, Marjorie Punnett. And I don't know, I don't know what we've solved (laughs) (laughs) other than I, all I wanted to talk about was that I think it's something everybody has to think, just, just think about Mm -hmm. and really think about the long-term implications and think about what your boundaries are. Because your kids are going to be on social media. Yeah, you're right. Whether you're putting them there or they're going to be there at some point on their own with their making their own digital footprint. But I think like for me, when I look at what you do with your kids, I think what you're teaching them and it's a lesson that kids have to learn now are that you have to set boundaries. Yeah, you do. 
And so you're sort of modeling that behavior already. And I think everybody should be thinking really hard about as a parent, what am I modeling for my kids on social media so that when they get onto social media, they're doing it with great intention? Well, and I got a lot of that from you. I mean, hearing well, even though your boundary wasn't the right one for me, I mean, right, it, it, right. it did get me and my boundary might not be the right one for somebody else, but it does get you thinking about it and at least establishing something. I would like to just um, close this conversation, which what I think should be our tagline. I don't know what we've solved. <laughs> Best to the nest. I don't know what we've solved, but here we are. I don't know what we've solved. I wrote it down in quotes. Marjorie Punnett. Look at at that wisdom. Look at that wisdom. Listen, if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we would love for you to share it with a friend. Wouldn't that be so nice? That would be nice. If you're super motivated, you can give us a review on iTunes. Thank you to Misty. What did she have to say? So Misty, um, she wrote, I loved this. Misty wrote, how refreshing to have a podcast where women are real moms. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Wives and not some fake Instagram my facade. Instagrammy, she's saying. Oh, Instagram. <laughs> Instagrammy facade. You got okay. it. Clearly, I can't read. You got it. Instagrammy facade. <laughs> this um, this is my favorite podcast, and I tell all my mom friends to listen because it's so relatable. Keep up the fun chat. So we we sure hope we can. We will. Um, and then go ahead and tell us tell everybody where they can find us. Yes, uh, follow us on uh, Best to the Nest on Instagram, and of course we're on Twitter, and we're also on Facebook too at Best to the Nest. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, until next time, Marjorie. Until next time, thanks. Elizabeth.